Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Live. This is Kirk Henderson. Uh, well, I'm not joined by anybody at the moment, but thanks for uh, hopping by the room. Uh, this is probably the second or third time I've done this, and we're, oh, man, we already got some folks joining. How's everybody doing this week? Um, you know, we're coming off a, a pretty ridiculously eventful week. Uh, there's still one more game tomorrow against the Nets, but the Mavericks went two and one, uh, following, uh, you know, just, just kind of a chaotic start. Let's see here. I can't even remember who the Mavericks beat at this point because they lost the Sixers last night. And then who else did they play here? They beat the Celtics and then they beat, um, what is wrong with me? I don't know how I got a diamond grant. It, it, the way this, uh, app works at the moment i had to do an update right before i logged on so it's you know very of course uh sort of thing so here so the mavericks this last week they're they fell to sixers last night then they beat memphis and boston so if you would have told me on sunday which was the first time i did one of these that the mavericks were two and one i probably would be pretty enthusiastic if you would have told me that they'd be two and one with kp not playing a single game i probably would have been out of my mind uh the Porzingis rumors, of course, started after the Memphis game. Uh, so, you know, it's been a pretty eventful week on that one. So let's uh, see where things go. Uh, I'm being joined here by Austin. Austin, how are you? Austin? Hey. Can you hear me? Up, I'm good. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Um, just quick question. Over, under on Chris South spending... 15 whole minutes on the bench what 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 do you mean well ex- explain because i've not been paying too much attention to what kp's doing during the games because it makes me mad <laughs> you know you just after all these rumors you definitely pay more attention or at least i've been paying more attention to buy language etc and you know he, he's laid to the bench first quarter he goes into the locker room early at half he's just not even there most of the game the second half. So, I, I don't know. Just the signs certainly point towards there's frustration somewhere. It, it makes me think that they are going to trade them. I mean, there's just a lot of kind of mixed signals there. So, kind of want to point that out. So, that's a good question because our, our Slack noticed this as well because Porzingis actually moved behind the basket at one point during the Mavs game. And I, I, think, I think that it's something to do with protocol because if he's not going to be with the team, like the NBA is kind of, you know, fairly cognizant about what's going on with like where players are located, even though, you know, you know, all right. So we have Grant joining us. Grant, what's going on? Oh, uh, I under Jim. Uh, so I got, <laughs> I got a little, so I went to the game on Wednesday. I got a little, I got a little story about KP. So right after, right after we won, uh, Mark Cuban went from his little section, you know, he sits like on, on one side of the uh, stanchion. KP was sitting on the, the opposite side. Mark goes walking up, dabbing up all the players. And then KP was like on the other side, dapping up other players. And then there was this awkward like place where they both met in the middle. They, <laughs> they made eye contact literally for a split second. And literally like, went opposite directions, like didn't dap each other up, didn't acknowledge each other's presence. But like they made they knew each other was there and then KP literally just like walked opposite direction of him into the locker room. I thought that nice. was, that was hilarious. Right right before Cuban did the uh the hearts with Bobby. And it's it's funny because I am a person who it really depends on like what's going on in my day to day life. But when the Mavericks won a game I, I, I didn't really even think about Porzingis that much but I was just there I just saw it no no this is a common thing that we're talking like I'm getting uh DMs about this we're talking about it in Slack like what's going on with KP is kind of at the forefront of what everyone is thinking and to to go back to Austin's question I I'm pretty sure he's going to be with the Mavericks for for quite a while I don't foresee them trading him unless they somehow get a deal from a team who is, is, is really seeing like high upside aspects of this in that they're looking at Porzingis from the bubble and, and back to, you know, February of 2020 when he started really playing out of his mind. But the, the injuries and these sorts of things that he's been dealing with, not to mention with just how disinterested he's looked at times playing basketball this year, 
they're going to have to build trade value up. I don't see him going anywhere. So, so Austin's question about whether he's going to be on the bench, I think he'll, he'll, he'll come back and play. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, there's, there's, you know, our, our guy, Tim, who is, is here in the chat house Mavericks uh, made an incredible uh, uh, tweet yesterday, you know, uh, talking about how it, it, the back is likely cover for his knee, at least in his estimation. And I'm not sure if that's really the case because like, all you know, all the lower body stuff ends up being extremely interrelated. Where you know, knee causes hip problems, which cause back problems. And it wouldn't really shock me after like four days of practicing if he really didn't feel good. And you know, he's there on the bench. He is doing some of the things there uh, in terms of of team interaction. It's going to be really, really easy to continually read in to all of this KP stuff going on because. There's just, we just have access to so much. Like there was a, uh, I don't know what, I don't know if it was Portuguese or Spanish yesterday. I didn't really pay attention to the language, but somebody saw Porzingis essentially like, and then unlike a tweet uh, about him going to the Warriors. And if we go back to his time with the Knicks, it was pretty, he, he was just so petty and Knicks fans were so angry because the forward-facing Porzingis, meaning the Porzingis that talks to the media, is one of the most polished athletes, I think, in the league. That guy knows how to answer a question. He also knows how to um, appear to answer a question, like a master politician, where he will give you what sounds like really solid information as you're hearing it. But then you go back and listen and or like type out what he says or read what he says and realize that he doesn't actually say that much. Um, Tim Cato on, on the athletic podcast, 77 minutes in heaven, which is, um, I love you, big Tim, but the worst named podcast in Mavsdom, um, noted that, that Porzingis often can really explain his frame of mind with what's going on on the court. He can say, I'm thinking about when I'm, when I see this, I think this, and it's very interesting to me because I, I tend to think of Porzingis as a bit of a robot because I feel like all of his, uh, decisions are, are fairly, um, preordained with how he with how he goes and and in the chat right now we have bobby chapman who's who's trying to figure out how to use this while working uh and and i completely understand this so with live rate with this sort of it's essentially live radio bobby is what we're dealing with but i'm also recording this i will post it as a podcast so if you have to hop out i i appreciate you asking that um i'll probably be doing two or three of these a week i don't know if i will be recording or using all the recordings because Sometimes, you know, you guys have a lot of choices in your audio and I don't want to take up your feed because, you know, I, I feel that, you know, Josh and I's postgame pods are usually pretty good and pretty reactionary. And sometimes when we're just chit-chatting and these sorts of things, the content isn't always, isn't always the best. Um, all right, Brian's joining us. Brian Zillum, what's going on? Kirk, happy Friday, good sir. Uh, you too. I have, I have some injury speculation for you. So based on the upcoming schedule... So there, we have the Nets game Saturday, and then of course, uh, only two games this upcoming week of uh, due to the All Star break, Monday and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I speculate we will not see KP until at earliest March 10th. I like the speculation. I also yeah. think it's a reasonable position to take because let's rewind when Porzingis had to join the Mavericks as a re- as a result of. Essentially, the, the the COVID things. I wonder if the Mavericks weren't ready to bring him back. From what I've understood, Porzingis essentially had wanted to come back on like Christmas Day. He really wants to play. It is really a big part of his, uh, you know, kind of personality to prove doubters wrong. Unfortunately, people aren't necessarily doubting him. They're doubting his body. And... A seven foot three person having a leg operation, you know, meniscus tears for anybody that, that is, is, is familiar with them. They can really range in terms of severity. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s was pretty harsh. Chris Porzingis was more on the mild side, but surgery is surgery. So I think that he sort of rushed back. And as a result, he hasn't been where he's wanted to be. And these problems really start to compound. So, if he's feeling discomfort elsewhere, let's just say it's the back. Let's say it actually is the back. Um, I don't. If he's out for another week, does that really change where the Mavericks are in the big picture of the season? No. If they could split, 
if they could split these last three games, or uh, you know, essentially go uh, if they if they play Brooklyn tomorrow, then they play the uh, Magic, and then they have one more game at the end. I can't remember at the moment, but if they if they split the you know win two, I'd feel pretty good about heading into the the um, the All Star break. You know, because right. the second half of the season, and I'm really glad you brought up the schedule. The second half of the season, somehow the Mavericks still get kind of kicked in the shins. Ten back-to-backs is Jesus is terrible, brutal. It's terrible, and the Mavericks have not been good on back-to-backs in no. the Luka Doncic era. Um, and that goes back even before Porzingis has gotten here. So I really wouldn't mind if he sits out that long. Uh, it, getting his body right or getting his body into a place where he doesn't look like like a, a the, like a Chiefs offensive lineman in the Super Bowl against the Bucks. Like that would be that'd be I'd like that. Uh, right is what is what I think. Now, follow up question. Now, uh, let's say we fast forward to March tenth. That's after their first game after All Star break. That's essentially 24 days with between his last game. What's mm-hmm. your what's your panic meter at if he's not playing in either one of those back-to-back games? So, along with 24 days of rest comes 24 days of specu- speculation. And if we are to find out more things, let's let's I'll answer this in two ways. If they go the whole time and we don't actually hear any, much more about KP on the trade front other than the Mavericks are shopping him, then I would feel, you know, feel pretty good about him coming back and my panic is going to be relatively low. If he comes back and is, and we've been hearing chatter or the chatter increases or really gets more specific, that's going to be fairly concerning for me because as we've talked about a few sec- you know, a few minutes ago, the Mavericks are very itchy in terms of how, how they deal with these sorts of things. Because with, with Dennis Smith Jr., that all happened really quickly. The, yep. He went from being sidelined to being gone within like something like, it was like, it was, had to be under three weeks. It was, it was a kind of a mess. Um, so, well, to KP's defense, you know, his, DSJ's issue was quote unquote a, a tummy issue. His, his, tummy, <laughs> his, his tummy hurt, if you remember. Right, I do. So, I, I, my panic meter is probably going to be. I, I'm not good at panicking. I'm good at being like rage blackout angry. That's kind of my calling <laughs> card. So. I would say if he comes back and doesn't look any better physically, that will start to concern me. But I have a real hard time banking that it's pure physicality that's bothering him at the moment. I think there's some mental issues going on in terms of trusting his body. I've talked about this often, but there was one game where he got a technical foul and played essentially the last six or seven minutes after getting the technical foul and flew around the court, was like going and trying to block shots and was, you know, going at the rim real hard. And, you know, for a guy that tall to play with that level of force, which we've seen, is a little frightening because we know that his body isn't the, it just isn't built to withhold the sorts of things that he wants to do. Right. So, but there has to be some sort of forward progress. We've been talking in the Mavs Moneyball chat all day uh, because after every loss, our entire staff tends to, um, well, we're doing what we're doing on, on you know, on, in the Slack where it's very grumpy. And I don't know what where to go. And, and we're all kind of arguing about what the different, you know, paths are. You know, KB used to look really good last year, some people say. Uh, then there's me who is kind of, well, KB looked good in, in bursts, but it's a, you know, it's a 70-game season or 82 in a normal year. So I... I don't know. This is kind of the I, it's it's been kind of like processing grief in the in some senses because getting, we're we're having to figure out where where the Mavericks are without a ton of information. And grief is is a little ridiculous when Luka Doncic is also on the roster, but you know they went they bet big with Luka and KP and if it doesn't work out then the front office will have essentially misused. I don't want to say wasted because that's not fair. Misused a fair number of resources in a couple of Luka Doncic's just cheap years. So 
Yeah, so Jeremy Boyer in the chat asks, is there a chance anyone else on the roster gets traded? This is... This was kind of the underlying question going back to when they acquired James Johnson and his enormous $16 million contract. And, you know, the, the couple, they have in the neighborhood, if things work out right, between like 30 and $50 million of expirings, depending on who doesn't come back. Um, they also are already over the cap, though, with some of these things. So it gets a little more confusing that I'm, I'm and I don't want to misspeak and put out, you know, bad information, but... I do think that they will look to see if there's anything out there that they could go uh, another player that they could go get with the, some of these expirings because Donnie Nelson, in my opinion, has always worked better on the trade line than he has on the, the free agency market. And, you know, we have, you know, pretty good amount of evidence of that, you know, comparing the Chris Porzingis trade to the last two off seasons where they really kind of uh, essentially not done very well. Um, Aswin asks the same, you know, a similar question. Do you see the Mavs being active on trades? I think they have to be, you know, on the jump, uh, to, was it today? Yesterday? I can't remember. On the jump, uh, uh, somebody is maybe Mark Spears. Someone essentially said that, that the Mavericks are, are likely going to be one of the most active partners in terms of looking for something, because when I went back and really looked at a lot of the Mavs Moneyball offseason content, which, you know, it seems ridiculous that the offseason was in November, uh, right around Thanksgiving, and it's only, you know, late February. The, the NBA season is not – we're not even ha- at the halfway point in terms of number of games. But we were all pretty bullish, you know, about where the team was going because it felt like they had addressed a lot of their roster concerns, meaning, you know, taller, rangier wing depth. And when we look at the roster that has played since probably the start of February, Carlisle has cut his rotation down to like seven or eight guys. Uh, Ryan Mainville, who I think is in the chat here, uh, wrote a really good post that is up on MavsMoneyBall.com about that right now. Um, Ryan wants to talk. Ryan, what's up? Yeah, I figured I'd just come on. See if you have any questions or if you want me to dig a little bit more into the. Well, let's, let's, let's actually talk about that a little bit because it pertains to, to Aswin's question about the, you know, about, you know, do we see the Mavericks making a trade? Because I saw when we were in the offseason, we're like, oh, they have all these guys who could play wing. And then now just none of them are playing. Uh, Josh Green is, is technically not on the roster at the moment. James Johnson is no longer used in a wing capacity. He's almost like an emergency big. Uh, you know, Wes Iwundu is among the worst players in the league. So then the Mavericks are very similarly back to where they to where they were last year. So so let's let's chat about your article a little bit and what you've like what you saw when you started looking at the information. Yeah, well, essentially Rick is just playing like a, a crazy playoff rotation right now. And it's working a little bit. Like they're they've at least corrected some wins and losses from where they were in January. Uh, but I mean, like even including a healthy Kristaps, which is kind of a big assumption to make. They're essentially playing seven guys right now, uh, with like Willie Cauley Stein as the next guy in that kind of rotation. So I mean, you have guys like Luca Brunson, Tim. Uh, KP, Maxi, Richardson, DFS, and then it's just kind of a drop-off. Because, I mean, like, Willie had a couple of DMPs, and then James Johnson disappeared for six games and then started against Boston. And then Trey Burke's just kind of come in whenever he feels like it. So, I mean, their rotation right now is is very interesting, um, but I think it more so reflects kind of the lack of depth and talent that maybe we thought they would have coming into the season. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm fairly frustrated that, for example, Josh Green is not getting more burn because watching some of the mistakes that Dorian Finney-Smith is allowed to play through, I don't see Green, you know, Green makes the same, would make the same kind of mistakes. Like there was a turnover in the third, second quarter where Dorian started the play. He drove all the way across the court and attempted a weak handoff to uh, Josh Richardson that got stripped and went the other way for a basket. And if like Josh Green had done that, Rick Carlisle would have immediately sent him to the phantom zone and we wouldn't, you know, he would like would have been deported to the G league almost immediately. So I, 
I, it's been a little frustrating that, that there hasn't been some more opportunity for green in particular. And one dude's kind of on an Island in the sense that he is just not good at basketball. Uh, everybody told me he was a good defender, but the Mavericks have so many defensive problems that it, it's not been able to, I've not seen it. Certainly. Uh, I mean, he plays hard, which is a skill, but it's, I mean, that's been a little bit disappointing. And Johnson, James Johnson is, he either likes to handle the ball or he seems to be good in the post. If they put him in like off ball situations, it just, he's not a good enough shooter. Obviously Um, he shoots like 30% on his career from distance. So it's, it's just this, the pieces needed to come together in a different way for the Mavericks. And, and really so far they haven't. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I still think that they could turn it around and go on a run because basketball, particularly for younger teams seems to be so uh, momentum based, but it's been really frustrating. I, I just, I haven't loved what I've seen in terms of consistency. And I don't know how much of that is COVID related versus how much of that is, is just this roster not being good enough. What do you, like, what do you think it, uh, the problem is? Yeah, well, I think Awundu definitely has been like a little bit of an underperformer this season. I mean, the Mavs signed him for the minimum. And I think like none of us were really that high on him. In, in fact, like whenever the Berea stuff was happening, like none of us were really convinced what would happen. We were like, maybe they will cut Awundu and keep Berea. Uh, but I mean, Awundu's the worst three-point shooter in the league right now. Like statistically, he is dead last. And then I mean, James Johnson... <laughs> He, those first five games he played where it looked like he legitimately could get some run as like a like a primary ball handler almost. And then I wrote an article about how good he looked uh, when the ball was in his hands. And then, I mean, just everything just tanked so fast for him. And then Trey Burke, I mean, he, he's actually had like a mildly decent season statistically. Uh, but, you know, that contract that he got this offseason was based on 12 games in the bubble. And I just don't think he's had as much volume as maybe uh, we could have expected, especially considering how shorthanded the Mavs were in the bubble. So I definitely think that there has been some just kind of underperformers and underwhelming performances by rotation pieces. And I mean, you have a guy like Green who, I mean, Rick's just not willing to live through his mistakes right now. But I think it's an interesting point that you bring up about like DFS. I mean, even last night where... Dorian essentially had a fast break, but he can't dribble. So he just <laughs> took the ball into the corner and then bricked a corner three. And I mean, at least Green has the athleticism and the ball handling to get the ball to the basket. So I don't know. There are just some guys that are underperforming, and that's tough right now because it's showing with the Mavericks record. Well, speaking of underwhelming, Don Denham in the chat asks, what are your thoughts on Jay Rich? I can't tell if I love him or feel underwhelmed by his performance. I thought he'd be a huge defensive upgrade from Seth, and it's really just been a downgrade offensively. And I'll start. I, it's just been uneven. And when he was a, you know, Josh Richardson was one of the players who missed a significant amount of games due to COVID. And even though he looks fine right now, I'm having a hard time really judging his fitness because the Mavericks don't play him as a primary defensive stopper. I thought that's what he came to the Mavericks for. They still use Dorian Finney-Smith like he's some kind of ball stopper. And Dorian is a, a rangy long guy, but he still gets beat off of a single dribble move. Then again, Richardson sort of has too. There's not been, you know, he has much more active hands. Uh, than, than just about anybody on the roster seems to have good defensive instincts, but I feel sort of oversold as to his impact. Now, defense is so hard because it all works together and the Mavericks just aren't working together for a variety of reasons. Um, it, it's not just KP, but, but, you know, Richardson and DFS play a big part in, at least in terms of their ideal um, lineups. So it's a little hard for me to say. I do feel... And I think turn, uh, he's averaging two turnovers a month in February, but I feel like all of his turnovers are awful live ball turnovers. And the criticisms and whining that I did at the start of the year about Jalen Brunson sort of over dribbling have now all of those criticisms I feel could be lo- uh, lobbed, lobbed at Richardson, who is he's his he does not have a tight handle. He, once he, you know, if he, it's a straight line sort of thing where he, you know, stops and pops and shoots, it actually looks pretty nice. He has some nice spin moves and things like that. But the offensive stuff is just, it's a little herky jerky and it's not quite 
it, it'd be fine if he were like the fourth best guy on the floor, but he ends up being sort of the, the secondary ball handler with Luca and, and at least among the starting options. And I've not really been a big fan. So those things put together with the, with the defensive things, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's just not been what I had hoped. Now the, the Celtics game was really eye opening for me because as much basketball as I watch, I I will say that that if you've ever gone to these games live, you know, Grant, I'm not sure if he's still in the chat. The thing that is most interesting to me is the size disparity between players is really, really evident when you're live, not just like uh, height, but also, you know, how much guys weigh, like their strength and muscle mass. And watching the Mavericks play the Celtics, it was just clear that the Mavericks are still small. Richardson is, is five inches shorter than Jason Tatum. Uh, Brown is, is, is six, eight or six, nine. And then, you know, Dorian looks small compared to him because Dorian, you know, he's a, he's six foot eight, but he's slight. He's about 210 pounds. So it's, it's really tough to, to, you know, say that the Mavericks have improved in some of these areas when they still have these guys that just aren't very big and, you know, the, their best defender and, and at least last year ended up being Maxi Kleba because Kleba's six ten and strong and, and at least last year was just quick enough. And unfortunately he seemed to be the player on the Mavericks that took the worst bite from COVID. So he's having you know, he's he's just having sort of a subpar defensive season so far. That doesn't mean he can't come back, but I think our patience with, with him needs to be out there. So Don, to answer your question, I am also underwhelmed. I am pleased when he plays good but I feel like every night it is Luka Doncic and which guy is not going to be terrible. That's sort of the way it goes. You know, Brunson is, is essentially the Mavericks' second best player. I think expecting Tim Hardaway Jr. to be consistent is, is crazy. Uh, and nobody does expect him that, of course. But it's just they re- he ends up being sort of the, the, the key when they, when they win games a lot of times. It's, it's, it's a little bit alarming. Um, let's go to the chat here and see what other questions that we have. Um, Raul Puentes asks, what are your thoughts on Channing, Channing Fry's tweet about Dwight Powell going to the Blazers? I mean, he just must not have seen Dwight Powell play. Uh, if the Mavericks were able to move on from Dwight Powell's Albatross contract, that would be outstanding. Uh, he's still owed... I want to say he is in the the second year of a four year deal, and he is owed like twenty two million after this season, kind of split evenly. So that he's he's going to be a, a piece that I think is on the Mavericks for a while. I don't think they're going to be able to get out from from under him because Powell at the moment last night was a really good example of just how far he has uh, fallen athletically because of his Achilles tear. That doesn't mean he can't get it back because he really. See here, he is 13 months removed from the Achilles tear. Uh, I, I think he he still has some room to grow there, but expecting pre Achilles Dwight Powell is not. I I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. It's it's very disappointing. I feel bad for the guy because he plays so hard. Um, let's see here. What else do we have? Austin asks, when was the last time we had a win where the opponent didn't have a run to close the lead? How how? Don't we get to a point where they can ever hold the lead? Well, the Clippers game is one that comes to mind where I sort of, uh, I remember thinking at the time, because it was a mid-afternoon game, well, the, the Mavericks are up by a ton. I wonder how they're going to lose this game. And then they essentially just buried the Clippers to the point to where that one game is such an outlier for the Mavericks statistics that it throws other things off. It's uh, it's pretty wild to, to consider. Um Let's see here. Austin Sims says, we have a need for a secondary ball handler. Jalen Brunson is great, but more of a scorer than a passer or a facilitator. Why did we seem to have no interest in a vet like Rose or go after a George Hill type? And he's, he, he notes uh, that, that he thinks we're, we're missing Berea. I think we're missing the idea of Berea more than anything because he was not really able to play by the end. It was pretty, pretty rough to watch him on the court. But I, I do think you have something with the Brunson as a scorer more than passer. That is actually my early criticism because I didn't like it when they allowed Brunson to essentially run the offense as Luca Light. And he, he's just, I mean, he's, he's smallish. He's six, six foot to six one. He has a great knack for getting off his own shot. But when, when Brunson has turnovers, they feel rather devastating because it's often like a pass right to another guy, uh, the one at the end of uh, the Boston game really stands out in my mind as one that, that, that drives me nuts. 
Um, I don't, they were so interested in finding wing depth that I, I think a secondary ball handler was probably second on the list. I mean, this is getting into where my criticisms of their past two off seasons are, are at least I felt like they were very strong because the Mavericks are very talent deficient. They have Chris Stapps Porzingis, who is a first round pick. They have Luka Doncic, who is a first round pick. They have Willie Cauley Stein, who is a first round pick. And they have uh, Josh Green, who is a first round pick. The rest of the roster is undrafted or second round guys. That's not to say they're bad, but if you have opportunities, bites at the apple with talented players, the thought would be that that talent starts to translate at some point. The Mavericks rely on a lot of people who are really maximizing their capabilities right now. I, for example, have have been really focusing on DFS, thinking about him the past few days, where it's just not fair of the Mavericks to ask him to play small forward in a league where small forward is probably the most talent-rich position. You have LeBron James, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. You could really go down the list for what could be considered a swingman. Kevin Durant, and they put Dorian Finney-Smith there, an undrafted uh, fifth or sixth-year player who's making $4 million a year, and they really expect him to do more than he's capable of doing. Yeah, he, he, He's a fine player, but the... Where the Mavericks have gone, and, and I want to address your, uh, I'm trying to address your, your question about ball handling, is that they, they need so much that I feel like that, that it, it causes them to make mistakes where they really overrate specific people and specific courses of action. And what we've seen this year is that while they're playing 500 basketball, and because Luka is a transcendent player, they have a hard time. Uh, making the pieces work exactly how they wanted to. I've said before that the 16 and six start to last season might be fool's gold. And it's, it's really, it's really difficult to, to ascertain, um, you know, what I feel about their value. Uh, Robert Watson uh, asks, where are you with Rick and Donnie? I get annoyed with Rick's tinkering, but come playoff time, he's still one of the best in the league, man. This is such a tough question. Donnie Nelson. I am 36 and Donnie Nelson has been GM my entire life. <laughs> so I don't really know when it comes to front office and, and coaching, you don't really know you have it good until you've had it bad. Look at what has happened with the Kings who keep having like really, you know, they have talented players, but they can't make the pieces fit in a way that is sustainable or even like able to make the playoffs. So Rick, uh, I'm fine with Rick always. He drives me nuts. But I would rather be driven nuts by that than be driven nuts by Luke Walton. With Donnie Nelson, I will say that that whatever is going on in their front office conversations, I'm very disappointed in how they've handled like almost 10 years of off seasons. And they keep doing the same thing and expecting it to somehow work. Rolling the dice with cap space, expecting it to pan out in a way that is 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 significant. And the Mavericks just haven't shown the ability to connect on a free agency move. It, the idea that Luca will make a difference is interesting, but I think banking on it is scary. And we're, we're running into the 2021 offseason uh, on the forefront where the Mavericks have a ton of cap space. And is there anybody out there that you guys are like desperately wanting? I, <laughs> I'm kind of out there like thinking, oh, my gosh, that they, they there's just nothing for them to do. Max Dolder asks in the chat, would you take on Hortford's contract if it meant you could trade Powell and James Johnson and a pick. I don't know if I, the Mavericks pick situation is so dicey. They owe the 2021 to the next than 2023. And then that would essentially mean either 2025 or 2027. While Hortford has looked uh, much better, that is hard because he's an older guy too. And I think that what you'd be doing is banking on this season being so important to go get him. I would I would bet that, that the Mavericks would at least have a serious conversation with it. I, I, I do think that. Uh, Taylor asks in the chat, can they renegotiate the Powell contract? Unfortunately, they cannot. NBA contracts are guaranteed. It is extremely difficult to get out from under them. It usually requires, like, conduct on the player's part and or, like, such a devastating industry where the – industry, sorry. Such a devastating injury to where the league would allow – like, like you'd have to like medically retire at that point. Um, Tim Yeager, uh, also known as House Mavericks on Twitter, is joining. 
Let me see. Oh, shoot. The, the notification went away. Here we are. Tim. Tim, what's up? What's up, man? Hey, got a thought for, for everyone to chime in that we haven't, at least I haven't seen uh, Mavs fans talk about, and it's the expiring of Tim Hardaway Jr. I think that is potentially the most valuable trade asset we have at the deadline. Hmm. Um, and we haven't really talked about the idea of if, if he's extension worthy and what that would look like if he's a longer term idea for the Mavs or if we could get off some serious money and find this. Cause you're, I mean, we got about 59 million, you know, what is that? About 40% of, of our, yeah. of our cap that isn't producing anything for the Mavericks right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you got, you know, obviously KP and that's a whole different situation, but you got James Johnson, 16, you got Dwight's 10 or 11 or whatever it is. Um, but we just need, you're right. I mean, the whole Dorian Finney Smith stuff, he is a $4 million player that is asked to compete against max players. Um, and it's, it's not ideal. Um, and he's asked to, I mean, he's shooting 30, 31% from three, which is not helping, but it's so back to the idea of Tim Hardaway Jr. Is he a valuable trade asset in your mind, or you think he's a longer term kind of extension piece for the Mavericks going forward? Well, I don't know about you, but I refer to it as the Tim Hardaway Jr. Trade, not the Chris Stapp Sportsingus trade. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a really interesting question because he was looked at as such an albatross for the role that he was in with the Knicks. But yeah. with the Mavericks, he has probably been their third to fourth most important player, sometimes fifth. And when you go through the like his shooting, even his overall shooting numbers, he's, he's like a top 25 guy from three-point range. Yeah. And with the Mavericks' offense and what they need, like what if you were to remove Tim Hardaway from the rotation? What happens? Who shoots the ball? It's, it's kind of dicey when you really get down to it. And I'm – Working myself up to accepting and or almost hoping that the Mavericks and he can work something out in the offseason where they get him for a reasonable extension, like, I don't know, three for, for 45, something of that range. Because shooting, and not only like the ability to hit shots, but the willingness to take shots is a underrated skill with what the Mavericks need. Because right now, the, the, the kind of shots that most guys are getting, your Dorian Finney-Smiths uh, of the world, are getting like catch-and-shoot wide-open shots. There's not a lot of like off-the-dribble creation past Brunson, he, and Luka. So I, I think he's a pretty valuable part of, of, of the offense. If they were to trade him, they would have to trade him for a piece that would either change the offense in a way that they think needs changing – or improve the shooting, and I don't see who they could go get because shooting is at such a premium in the league. You know, yeah. we talked a little bit about um, – oh, Ryan's, Ryan Mainville, also of Mavs Moneyball, is joining us. Ryan, what's up? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on some stuff with Tim whenever you're done with that Please, No, go ahead. Well, I just think that if, if they make a move with him, it would probably have to be, like, something they see similar to Curry because, I mean – like, with the offense this season, like, he's been pretty good. Like, aside yep. from that 0 for 12 oh, yeah. showing that he had that one night, he's been really good. And I think he's really played himself into, like, top 10, top 7 of voting for six man of the year whenever that comes around. But, I mean, it really depends on what the priorities are for this offseason. So, if they want to get better on defense, then he's going to be a piece you look to sell high on. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that Celtics game, like, they just went right <laughs> at him on the final position. <laughs> And I mean, in a normal world where you don't have Luka Doncic, him just getting totally owned by Jalen Brown in the post loses you that game. Yes, it does. And I mean, that was that was the talk of this offseason was, you know, we're going to build up our defense and now they're like 22nd in the league or whatever. And I just think it's going to depend on, you know, what are their priorities? Do they think that, you know, he's a net positive, uh, even with the defensive liability? Yeah, no, my my idea was not trading Tim Hardaway Jr. because I don't like his fit with the Mavericks. My thinking was he is probably the most valuable trade asset that we have that would be attractive to a team that needs a shooter and wants to make a run at a championship that it's an expiring $18 million. 
which, you know, I don't know the trades out there. I, I haven't put much time into the thinking of like and putting it into the machine. I just think he's he's probably the most valuable asset we have to be able to maybe upgrade at the trade deadline long term. Maybe not this season, but long term. I would argue Brunson there probably just because of his contract and his youth. But yeah, Tim Tim would definitely be an asset that could get some calls for sure. Well, Especially I don't, with want, his I don't want to get rid of Brunson. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't want to get rid of Brunson. Well, and, and Timmy is how old? Is he 29? Is that, is that about right? I can't remember off the top of my head. But his the, the willingness to shoot in the Hardaway family is a is a is a trait. Like it's a it's part of his genes. So like that's not going to go away as he ages. But as we've seen the last couple of days, he's fairly spryly athletic still. His, his ability to get to the rim is slightly underrated when he chooses to go. So I, I could just sort of see him aging into that kind of like, you know, Jamal Crawford-ish role where he's his, you know, he can play another, you know, five, six years, however much longer, just because he's he's out there. But I'm not, the, the, the Mavericks are going to have to really determine where they want to go. I think you're right, Ryan, because it's, if if anything, you know these last several, these several games have shown that like Luca is obviously still transcendent, but the rest of the Mavs offense they did not actually address the problems that they had last year, and and that's that's just kind of becoming more and more apparent. Now, if the schedule lightens up, maybe they will be able to to go on some more runs where they can get you know three, four games over 500 and in the season in an, in an okay place. But I think like the, the, the expectation level for me has fallen through the floor in terms of what I'm hoping for them. I just, I don't even know where I am with them right now. Um, let's see if there's anything else in the chat here that is, uh, you know, at least uh, addressing. So is it, so Josh uh, Matheson asks, is it dumb to not want Oladipo at all, given the Mavericks lack of first round lottery level talent that you outlined? Mm. I have a lot yes. of thoughts on Oladipo, but let's go with it, Ryan. Yes, it is dumb to not want him at all. I mean, I don't know what it would take to get him, just because his contract is weird. I think this is the last year, and he has a player option. Uh, but I, I do think that he's a pretty good player. I mean, the other day, I know I was sending some Galaxy Brain takes into the into our Slack, where <laughs> you know Christian Wood and and him were sitting in the same game that KP were. I mean. I don't know what Oladipo's stock really is. It, it seems like him and Houston haven't worked out. At least they won't long term. Right. So I guess that he'll be a guy to monitor this offseason. But I mean, again, that's another guy who's had some injury issues throughout his career. So that's something that, you know, you have to account for. I. So the fact that he's been on so many teams to date speaks a little bit to what he sees of himself. Uh, I, I would love like pure talent upgrade. Yes. Sign me up in terms of attitude and what he wants. It's going to be very interesting to see with him because I think he does become a free agent this summer. I think he declines that player option and, and goes and finds a longer term deal. And I think the Mavericks will make, will be seriously interested given their, their lack of talent. Uh, but he has, I don't want to say he's been a locker room problem, but the stuff that I've read, the people I've talked to is that he is a, a bit of a challenging personality and how many more challenging personalities do the Mavericks really want on a roster when you already have Porzingis who, you know, needs to be key. He's kind of shown it given his career that he needs to be treated with kid gloves. I think given the Mavericks window, I think you kind of have to do something like this. And then you sort of hope that like, Luca as a as as just the guy who blocks out the sun in terms of talent can win over Oladipo who where it's just so, in the sense that he's just that much better to where you know Oladipo can understand his role in the in the pecking order but that's I I if that's an option they they would have to go get it I'm done I think I may be done with my kind of and I've done this and we've seen a lot of people on mass social media does this where it's just like well is he a good fit I don't think fit matters. They need talent. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Uh, I'm done being picky about stuff. Well, and and so Ryan Ryan FJ in the chat is pointing out that that he's Oladipo's having a really rough season and he's missed a lot of games. He's shooting the ball pretty poorly. And you know, given the kind of injury that he had, a quad injury, there is like the the medical due diligence would need to be there. But he's also just not in the right situation. Like that Rockets team. Poor Steven Silas down there. They just have a lot of things working against them. John Wall can't be an, an easy guard to play off of. 
Um, so it's a little bit, it's, it's a little bit dicey. I, I, I do say, I will say that, that, you know, the Mavericks being one of the big teams with cap and then also having a superstar that just has to work for them at some point. Maybe this is the off season. I don't know, but it's, it's something out there that, that is, that is worth discussing. Um, scrolling through, you know, the, the, the chat here, there was a question of, and it's a little early for this, but I think I, I like the discussion anyways. Um, as one asks, is there a free agency that, or is there a free agent that you want the Mavericks to get? I'll punt to, to Tim first. Tim, is there somebody that you really like out there? Uh, John Collins. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Go on. I, Let's talk about that. I think you throw money. At, I mean, we have money. We it's Giannis is the pipe dream that's over and we have money. And this class theoretically was just all the names kind of just started dwindling. Um, and he has to be the top of the list. Um, going back to Olin Depot, if he does decline, I think he's up there as well. Although I would rather get Oladipo at the trade deadline this year, see if it works, and then have an out, um, even though it is a player option. But we kind of think that he might. Um, I guess that's a risk you take. But, yeah, no, John Collins, it has to be him. I think you throw money at him. Mavericks have been linked in that Bleacher Report that started this whole KP mess that we've been talking about nonstop, um, threw in that the Mavericks would, would be um, – you know, big suitors for John Collins. And I would agree. I think, I think it's a great fit uh, alongside Luca. I think it's more star power. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, we, last time in the locker room app, we talked if, if him and KP could play together. Um, and I think they could as well. Um, and I think that'd be pretty, pretty good for the Mavs if we could add John Collins. Ryan, is there anybody out there that you really like? Giannis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I wish. I wish. But, I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting with Collins because, I mean, it seems like it's going to be pretty hard for Atlanta not to match. Um, But they also, like, it's clear that I don't really know, like, where they stand with him. Like, they don't view him as a a max player. And, you know, he feels that way about himself, Um, obviously just taking a bet on himself, which is a good thing. He should do that. But, I mean, outside of that, goodness, this class is so thin now. Like I'm looking at the list as we speak and like Otto Porter Jr. Maybe like Evan Fournier, I guess there it's just really underwhelming. So, I mean, especially given that the Mavericks aren't a stellar free agency team, it might be interesting uh, just to see what they could do at the deadline. Cause I think that's going to present much, much more opportunities than, this summer will even though you know you finally set yourself up with all this cap space and now it's funny what you'll do no i I pointed out in the chat sorry that olin depot is unrestricted he's not restricted just fyi he has no player option and then it's collins being restricted causes a bit of a challenge for wanting him because it would have to be yeah play have to be yeah it'd have to be a big enough thing to where we would um uh it'd have to be a pretty big salary offer for Atlanta to turn him down. And they don't think he's a max player, but they would almost probably have to offer, like I think the chat is saying four of 105. Um, in some quote breaking news that is occurring at the moment, Kristaps Porzingis practiced today and Rick Carlisle expects him to play versus the Nets if there are no issues when he wakes up tomorrow. That's per ESPN's Tim McMahon. So that's some good news. Um, to answer to answer the free agency question, uh, Josh in the chat, has my name that I want and it's uh, Rashawn Holmes. And that is a non-sexy pick, but after watching the big men play last night against, uh, you know, um, Embiid, I would like the Mavericks to get a, a traditional ish big that can bang and can rebound and can do the things that, that the bigs on the Mavericks roster right now can't do. I know that is a terribly boring pick, but it's just very, it's just very frustrating to uh, to watch the Mavericks not be able to rebound. I mean, did, first of all, they beat the the Sixers on the boards last night, and it did not feel like that at all. So I don't know. I, I they just have so many holes to patch, and I'm not really sure who's available and then who would work. I, I, we're starting to get to the point in 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 my, you know, just talking for this long, where I'm thinking that like. Luka Doncic and the heliocentric offense that they run 
limits sort of their their options, which that just shouldn't be the case. So I I don't know. I I want players to want to come play in Dallas. I don't see how it can't be fun. I mean, watching all the open shots that these guys get, and I know Luca kind of dominates time of possession, but the Mavericks are pretty are pretty good at at getting you know guys different options and different looks. And, you know, different ways to set up the basketball. I would like to see just just some more, you know, just some more raw talent has got to be my start. Um, let's see here. It is 2.20 my time because I'm out here on the East Coast. Um, I, I don't really have too much more that I would like to get to. Does anybody uh, have any parting shots before we get on out of here for the day? No? Yeah, real quiet. Well, guys, this has been the, uh, I think it's my third or fourth time doing this. Uh, We're getting some repeat customers. I need to figure out how to get the Twitter functionality to actually work. Those of you who are sharing on social, it's real fun. I'm going to keep trying to do this probably, you know, two to three times a week uh, as we go on, just because it really gets kind of my creative juices going and and you know, knowing what you guys think, what you are, are wondering and what you're talking about and what you'd like to see is very helpful. Uh, in terms of planning for the Mavs Moneyball site. If you don't subscribe to our podcast, uh, we have a number of different options, uh, all within one podcast feed. On uh, If you search Mavs Moneyball podcast, that will come up. Uh, we have a great staff at MavsMoneyball.com, including both uh, Ryan and Tim, and then Ben is down there in the chat. Uh, you know, This sort of feels like a staff meeting to some degree, but we put up regular work good stuff all the time i think we might be a little lighter during the all-star break just because i you know for 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 a hobby i think we all need a break as well and then the second half of the season is just going to be such a grind um well uh so we have one more question that i do want to answer before we go so rye in the chat asks what does kp need to put up in his first game back for uh for (laughs) for an act for him to get a shout out on the podcast Right. I just want to see KP care on defense. And I don't know if Brooklyn is going to be a good test because Brooklyn is is a, a swarm of bees. Uh, they're terrifying. This could be a 150-150 game, and that's pretty uh, – that should be fun, but I don't think there's going to be much to take away from it because they're not the kind of team that the Mavericks would see in a potential playoff matchup. Uh, that's a much more down the line discussion and, and the Mavericks just aren't really talented enough to keep up with, uh, with Brooklyn. I mean, no team is, uh, so, so I would love it if they won, but I'm not going to be super excited if they just get ran off the floor, uh, or I'm not going to be super upset if they just get ran off the floor like they were in Brooklyn. Um, all right. So this has been a lot of fun. I already plugged everything else and I appreciate you guys coming out and we'll be doing this uh i'll try to be doing this at different points because we've had some you know european and southeast asian followers asking us if we can do it at different times just so that they can join but then the frustrating part is because this is still just an ios app uh you know uh google is is kind of the dominant uh global platform um on 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 that respect so Eventually we'll grow, but for now, this is what we've got. This has been uh, Kirk, and I've been joined by Ryan and Tim of MavsMoneyBall.com, and I appreciate all of your questions, and we can do this another time. Everybody have a good weekend.